Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Darren, what are we going to discuss today? You know, let's talk about nonverbal communication. What do you think? What does that mean? Well, all of the communication that we do, aside from the words we use, so our facial expression, our body language, our tone of voice, our position in the room, all that stuff. Wow. Usually it doesn't go over your head. I was really trying to be funny there. Obviously, I failed flat on my face, probably because you couldn't see my expression. Actually, you can because we're using Zoom. But, um, you know, what does that mean? Nonverbal communication. I'm only hearing the words you're saying. I was going for a pun there, girl. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had my trombone. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, that one went right over my head. And I, my hair is high today. It didn't it catch it. It is pretty high. It, yeah. is, it, 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 it is. Good good goop in the hair. Thanks. So, so anyway, nonverbal communication. Is this an issue that people have or, or how does this factor into persuasion? Let, let, I mean, let, let's, let's dig deep in why should our listeners even be interested in this? Yeah, I was doing an emotional intelligence workshop the other day and we got to talking about All the ways sometimes our body language, our facial expression, our posture, our tone of voice gets in the way of our message and and maybe even damages relationships. And we don't even know it. We don't even mean it. Well, I mean, more importantly than that, I mean, studies have shown that only 7% of the words we say drive the message or or impart the message. Um, A full 65% of our message is nonverbal. And another, I believe it's math works out to 28%. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Is, is tonality. So for those of our listeners out there right now who are uh, perhaps doing a lot of uh, uh, phone selling, right. And, and candidly, this is one of the lessons we learned uh, and, and the advantages of using video communication as we've all adopted over the last year and a half uh, and many of us were doing it before then, but it really obviously became ubiquitous, is it, it brings that nonverbal communication back in. But but back to phone salespeople, you know, you've lost 65% of your ability to impart message. Mm-hmm. You know, so, yeah. but you're saying that people send unintentional nonverbal cues. Well, that's what, that's what the key is to understand yourself, understand the messages you're sending and to be intentional about them. Uh, because oftentimes we betray ourselves with our with our body language or our tone of voice or whatever. So as I sit at the edge of my seat, leaning forward into you, looking very interested here, right? Um, I, I can see and I where, back away frightened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with your arms crossed and looking right. down and not making eye contact. Yeah, um, let's talk about that for a second. I I, I can see where in. Um, and emotional intelligence, I mean, that's really important, right? For emotional intelligence, for our leaders out there, even our salespeople, right? They, oh, yeah. they need to be able to read the emotion of their prospect or of your coworker or team member. 
Um, I could see where that's really important. Do, do you have any examples of where somebody might be sending mis- mixed mixed signals? Sorry, see, yeah. see how unimportant words are? I can't even say them, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's when we, you know, you just said a great example as you were leaning forward, I may be looking at that as aggressive and I back away and I, I, or I slump my shoulders or I, you know, do things that send certain messages to people that maybe I'm not confident, maybe I'm not competent and I don't know what I'm talking about. Another like tone of voice things sometimes people do is up speak where at the end of every sentence, it goes up. So everything sounds like a question. Dave, how are you doing today? Do you want to go to the grocery? Oh, those are questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to the grocery store and get some milk. And it's always like asking a question, like, am I right? I'm doing really well. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm from the Valley. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that tends to betray our confidence. So understanding what we're doing and how it may be misinterpreted or interpreted is really important. Yeah, it's funny. I'm brought, my wife and I are NYPD blue junkies. And, and I mean, junkies. And, and, and if you're listening and you don't know the TV show, um, it, it, it's 12 seasons of a New York cop. Uh, uh, follow, it, it, it's the really following the rehabilitation of, of uh, Dennis Franz's character, who uh, starts off as a drunk getting shot on episode one uh, while he's with a whore by a gangster he pisses off. And uh, spoiler alert, 12 seasons later, he takes over the detective squad as a sergeant. And it's, it's, it's really a phenomenal, phenomenal character study. And it's a great story. Uh, but Dennis Franz is this tough New York City detective. And there's many a scenes where when he's interviewing um, suspects who where he senses weakness and he wants to intimidate them, he just leans in, gets mm-hmm. in their personal space puts his hands up, boxes them in, you know, and, and it doesn't matter. The words he's saying are incongruous with his actions because it's his actions. And he knows and he's working that, that, that nonverbal communication, that sense of threat. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he's using his body language very intentionally to achieve a certain thing. Yeah. And, and, and this, as I'm describing to intentionally intimidate, because typically when he does that, he goes really soft voice. So if you listen to his tone and you listen to his words and you close your eyes, there'd be nothing intimidating about it, but it's an extremely intimidating situation, you know, right. the way he gives it. And, and by the way, he's not like a tough looking guy. You know, he's this dumpling, you know, Dennis dumpling. <laughs> I've never heard anybody called a dumpling before. Yeah. And Dennis, if you're listening, uh, I, I, I love your work, man. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, nobody looks at him and goes, there's a tough guy. But in the show, and this is, you know, this is the power of an actor. In the show, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the alpha in the room, mm-hmm. right? And, and anytime somebody challenges him, his immediate unthought response is to go forward in and up and escalate. Right. Yeah. And, and some people are like that. 
And it's something we need to be aware of because if we're in a sales situation and we start unintentionally doing something like that, leaning forward a little too much or coming, you know, making more um, focused eye contact, we may be intimidating and not building rapport and not creating an environment where people are comfortable and, and they may not know why, but they're going to leave going, I don't know if I want to do business with that person. Yeah. Or in, in leadership, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of studies show that um, more CEOs are north of six foot, right? Um, and, and presidents, right? And as a species, we're, we've, we've, we're anthropologically, you know, again, I've said this before, we choose our, we choose our leaders because of their uh, perceived ability to help us survive. It's all about survival, right? And bigger is better in that case, right? It's, you know, more, more tougher, able to survive, stronger, blah, blah, blah. And so we naturally gravitate to people who are uh, physically big, right? Well, if you know big people and, you know, uh, my generation, you know, I'm, I'm 60, my generation, big, big was north of six foot, but I think 5'11 or something like that is the average male now. So that's really still in the normal zone. So we're talking, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5 six, range now, you know, or, or taller. A lot of times they're self-conscious and they tend to slouch and bring their head or try and make themselves smaller so they're less intimidating. Mm-hmm. And that may be sending the wrong message. Right, right. Or if they are so much taller than everybody else and they're always looking down on people, that can tend to um, tend to intimidate people on the other side of it. Uh, that's when I that's why I always tell people from a virtual standpoint, when you're communicating with somebody virtually, get your camera on eye level because then you're on the level playing field. Yeah, and, and worse comes to worse. I mean, look into the camera, which that's a whole nother thing, right? Um, and we we could probably go off on a whole virtual um, connection uh, mm-hmm. piece if we wanted to, but, but as, as a tip folks, because I think, you know, virtual is here to stay. Um, even if the virus disappeared tomorrow, it, it won't, but unfortunately, but it, it's also here to stay. Um, we can do a scientific podcast if we want, but um, you know, I, I heard recently, and this is the best thing I, I've ever heard. We really need to come to grips with because it lives in the animal in animal kingdom as well. We're never going to eradicate it. You know, we've only ever eradicated one one virus, smallpox, I believe it was, because it only existed in human hosts. And so, this this is here to stay. You know, and we're we're, we're going to adjust to it. We have no choice. But I, I digress. Um, so so virtual is here to stay as well. If you want to make eye contact, don't make eye contact. Right, right. It's so weird. It's so counterintuitive. You got to look at the camera instead of the person's eyeballs. Right, right. And it's it's about them, not about us. Um, so we're we're talking about nonverbal communication. We're talking about uh, potentially mixed messages or intentional messages. I guess you know being intentional with your your body language. Besides looming over people or invading their personal space, what are some other things that might get in the way? Well, crossing arms is another one. You're putting a barrier between yourself and the other person. You're, you're essentially protecting yourselves. Uh, and you may be cold. And that's what I always tell people, that if they are cold and they're, they're with somebody and they're crossing their arms, to make a comment that, wow, it's cold in here, isn't it? Whew, so that you're clear about why you're doing that. 
Um, another thing from an opposite standpoint is putting your hands behind your back. I have watched a TED talk recently that talked about how, you know, the reason we shake hands is because we're saying, hey, nice to meet you. I don't have a weapon. I'm not going to kill you. We're friends. And the human brain, when they first come into contact with other humans, the first thing we look at is people's hands. Do they have a weapon? That's like, and it may be a split second, but basically you're looking at, is this safe? And so if you're hiding your hands in your pockets, in your behind your back, people are essentially unsure whether you're harboring a weapon, um, even though it's not conscious necessarily. But that's something to think about too, is making sure your gestures are open. Yeah. And, and that's, that's really interesting on, on a whole nother level for me. Um, well, I want to go back to the uh, crossed arms because that's an often misinterpreted um, body language. It, it's one of the first things I think people who are trying to study this learn crossed arms means closed. Crossed arms does not necessarily mean closed. I, I, I'm not disagreeing that we should be conscious of it because it's often misinterpreted. Right. But I mean, frequently people cross their arms because it's comfortable and it's a way of holding their arms there. And you have to look at the entire body. So if I've crossed my arms and I'm hunched forward and I'm kind of turning a shoulder away, right? Like I'm protecting myself, that's closed. If I'm sitting there with my chest out, my head is up, you know, uh, my chin in sort of a neutral position, my arms closed, I'm taking that in. And so this is just a comfortable position. And you can actually find a a bunch of things online with that as well. So folks be careful about the crossed arms. Now, again, I'm sitting here. You can't see, you can't see my lower half. uh, And, and obviously our listeners can't see me at all. I've got my right leg over my left, you know, now I've crossed my arms. So this is a little bit closed. This is actually, as soon as I do this right now, I'm starting to feel like, God, I'm not going to listen to a word you say. And there's science that proves that when you do cross your arms, you're less open to receive the messages. Um, and it does tend to make you look a little bit like mm, judgy. Yeah. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, not necessarily, but just make sure it's not getting in the way of what you're trying to achieve with the other person. Right. And I think that's the message here is be congruous with your body language. You know, the other thing is, and this is for those of our listeners who are thinking, all right, how do I read? How do I interpret body language? Is just be, you could be reading the message correctly, but the reason incorrectly. Mm, In their words, intention. Right. In other words, I may be closed or, 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 or not because of anything you're saying, but because of something that's going on in my personal life that's distracting me. Mm-hmm. And And a great technique when you're, when you're noticing something in somebody's body language or facial expression that's incongruous with their words um, is what's called reflective paraphrasing, where you can reflect back what you're seeing. So if, you know, your spouse says, I'm fine, you can say, well, you know, you say everything's fine, but you still sound very angry. Is there anything else you'd like to talk about? You can kind of reflect back what you're seeing. And they might say, oh, no, 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 no. I was just falling down and I lost my balance and I just came out angry. But no, I actually am fine. Or, yeah, no, I am actually mad. Let's keep talking or leave me alone before I stab you with a fork. Yeah. Or let's let's mm, stabbing with a fork. No way. Um, <laughs> folks, don't do that. Um, reflective 
I'm sorry, what was the second word? Reflective paraphrasing. Paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that. I, I love that. Um, you know, I talk about when we're counseling an underperformer that we want to counsel them on their behaviors, which are observable. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we're, we're not talking about counseling, but we're talking about feeding back behaviors, things you observe and, and maybe putting your interpretation on there, but not as if this is a fact. And this is where mm-hmm. I think people make a mistake. It's not like, no, you're, you're angry. I could tell your voice went up or your voice went down or you're scowling, right? Don't tell them how they're feeling. Tell them how you're interpreting their behaviors. And it appears mm. they may be angry to, or appears to me, Right. Uh, and Darren and I talk about, um, I can't remember how, what he call how he calls it, uh, gracious questioning. Mm-hmm. So maybe assume the opposite because, because the problem is you don't want to go out of sync with somebody. You don't want to be like, it appears as if you're angry and they go, no, no, I'm not. Right. All of a sudden, especially in a sales situation, but even you know, in any persuasion situation, you're like, now we're, it's it's a it's like a micro argument, right? Mm-hmm. We're butting heads. So instead, goes, you know, it looks like you may be scowling. You're not angry, are you? No, I'm not. Oh, I didn't think so. You know, I was just thinking about my kid who left school without you know his homework or whatever. Oh, okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. No, I am a little angry. I thought you said this at our last meeting. Oh. I'm so sorry you misinterpreted that, right? And now we're we're not butting heads, right? And we're able to work through a solution. So so combining this with uh, gracious questioning is a really really good technique. Mm-hmm. Love it, love All it. Right. And again, you're getting to that that intention of what what am I? Here's what I'm seeing. It makes me think this, but I don't know if that's the case. And I'd love to know your perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. Um. All right. So do you have any examples perhaps of where you've used this successfully? Oh, I have spot. what you see put, my thinking face. Yeah. I put you on the spot. Your one, <laughs> eye, your one eyebrow went up and your other <laughs> eyebrow stayed down. You look like Mr. Spock. <laughs> oh, thank the- you. That was a much kinder interpretation than what I was seeing. Uh, I have a very angry thinking face. Um, and, and it, and when I'm thinking, I look like I'm angry and I need to recognize that. And I built that self-awareness, um, so that when I'm in a meeting and I'm thinking about something, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that I tend to scrunch up my eyes and it tends to look angry. And I've had people say to me again, using that reflective paraphrasing, Hey, Ann, you look really mad right now. Is everything Okay. <laughs> And I'm like, oh yeah, no, no, no. I'm thinking, um, but I've I've had to be aware of that because not everybody's going to be comfortable saying, "Hey, Anne, are you pissed off right now? Um, what's up?" They might just interpret it and walk away, or you know, whatever. So that's one place that I've used it. Have you ever? Um, I haven't used reflective thinking, but I was just thinking I, I, as we're talking because, frankly, I never. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, reflective whatever you called it paraphrasing it's really hard it's i mess it up all the time it's too too many it's too many syllables i'm a simple guy 
We <laughs> keep simple. One symbol. What one symbol? See, I can't even say. You can't even say syllable. syllable. It's three syllables. Forget about. For, forget about it. Um, forget about it. Yeah, uh, let's not go Donnie Brasco on our folks there. <laughs> no. But um, so no, I, I um, interesting because whereas I'm not afraid of confrontation, it feels like confrontation to me. Um, but I could see how if you do it correctly, it wouldn't be. And that's where tone of voice comes in, right? If I say, hey, Dave, you look mad. What's up? Yeah. Or if I say, hey, Dave, you look mad right now. Is everything okay? Yeah. You know, and the difference in the tone of voice is the difference. And that comes from your intention and asking the question. Yeah, absolutely. But but I was, but I was, I was thinking about earlier conversation. You talk about, you know, somebody who was, you know, making intense eye contact. Mm -hmm. So what if that's you, you're, you're that kind of person who, you know, likes to just, you know, I'm focused on you. I'm just totally focused. Uh, and, And I'm really intentionally focusing because i want to absorb everything you say any advice for that person how not to be so potentially intimidating just to look for the sig- signals from the other person if you start noticing them back up dropping eye contact from you or you know not talking as much they you might start to read those signals as ooh maybe i'm being a little intense with my focus here yeah another thing you could do is focus on their ear. It's right in line with your eyes. It doesn't appear like you're looking at their ear. It looks like you're looking them in the eye. And it's not directly in their eye. And so it's less intimidating. Huh. I never heard that technique. I like that. Ear, heard. I like it. You like that? Good, 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 unintentional pun. It, or, it was totally I, unintentional. I'm not good. I'm not the pun girl. <laughs> oh, I've heard that you are a pun girl. <laughs> Terrible. Another technique from the sublime to the ridiculous. No, another technique that I use is I'll actually look at people's mouths because I don't have a problem with eye contact. Sometimes I have a problem with being distracted. And I know that being shifty with my eye contact and looking at the people walking by and checking out the TV and looking at the clock and checking my phone is going to make that person feel like I am not listening. And what I'm saying is there's a lot of other things that are more important than you right now. And so when I'm in that mode where I've got black flies in my brain and I know that shiftiness is going to impact the rapport I have with the person, I'll actually watch words come out of their mouth as they're talking. So A, it's close enough to their eyes that it looks like you're looking at them, again, similar to your ear thing, but I'm also engaging the visual cortex of my brain in watching the words be formed, and more of my brain is busy watching what they're saying, um, and I'm able to focus on them better and get out of that super distracted thing. And, you know, I I like that technique because so many, you're, you're practicing Frankly, you're practicing lip reading. And so many times, you know, especially in, in a networking situation, you're in a noisy environment where it's difficult to hear somebody without leaning in and invading that personal space. And right. if, you, if you could develop that technique, uh, so it's natural, you will hear more better in loud, noisy environments. Um, so I, I, I think that's absolutely a good one. What about if you see your... Um, the person you're talking to is you're reading them as being closed and legitimately you're seeing them closed. Do you have any advice there? 
I, I'm not sure whether I would, I would think about what I'm doing, where we are, how we're positioned, you know, whether I'm above them or whether I'm directly facing them. Um, Cause that can make people feel like they need to be a little defensive. But I'd start thinking about how am I using my tone of voice? Is it coming off as more aggressive? Right. Another thing you could do is frankly mirror them. I don't know if you're familiar with this technique, but if, if they're, whatever body language they're showing, and you don't, do, you, you don't have to do it exactly like they are, right? And, and right, because you don't want to be imitating. But mirror them, you know, cross your arms, cross your legs, just you know, close your shoulder a little bit and hold that position for three to five minutes. The minutes? Break, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You want your, what you're creating is a synaptic connection with your ne- mirror neurons. So you're actually connecting with them. You sound and, very smart right now, Dave. This is a juxtaposition to our single syllable conversation a minute ago. Please continue. I'll, I'll, I'll use little words because they're the only ones I know. Um, and and what will happen is your brains will start syncing up and you can test this by the way, right? So after, and this is how you know when you're ready. Do an incongruous, sorry, too many syllables there. Do an out of place movement, you know, like like scratch your nose or touch your ear. And if you see them do the same thing, now you know your brains are synced up. Now open up your body, they will open up theirs. And now you continue your conversation and they're open to listening. Huh. You know, I've read about that technique and I have a really hard time when I'm trying to be engaged in the conversation, be in the moment and plan out, you know, that to that degree. But I think saying that you don't imitate, but you just do similar things um, simplifies it for me <laughs> again, single syllables. Yeah. I, I learned this mm. years ago. I think it was Brian Tracy, uh, you know, back, back when we listened to tapes, you know, mm. those, those, pla- those sort of plastic things that, you know, you had to use the eraser to a, a uh, cassette tape. Yep. Cassette Big tape. Pen to rewind it. Yeah. Well, if, if they spooled out, right. Because the machine sometimes messed up and you know, it's part of NLP. And I remember going on a sales call. This is my first year in after the service. So I had done sales in college, but I'm not talking about that. I, you know, my first time as a professional full-time salesperson and I'm talking to a prospect and we're standing in the hallway in his office and he's leaning against the wall. Arms are crossed. Legs are sort of crossed. I mean, he's standing, but you know, one leg sort of crossed his shoulders out towards me. And I'm thinking, He's not buying anything I'm saying, right? Forget about what I'm trying to sell him. He's not even buying what I'm giving him. You know, <laughs> and, and so I took a similar position against the wall and we chatted about sort of more inconsequential stuff. You know, I just, you know, I was asking him questions um, and, and just gave it a few minutes. And I remember I like touched my nose and he touched his. And then I just stood up and sort of opened up a little bit and he stood up and opened up. And then I started asking him the important questions that I was able to then respond and give him the information he wanted. And it worked. It worked. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll have to try it. so what's your closing advice to our listeners about body language, nonverbal communication? 
Well, I think intent, uh, always assuming positive intent is a strong piece when it comes to reading other people's body language. Because a lot of times we can jump to conclusions that may be impacting the relationship unnecessarily. So I love to always assume positive intent and ask what their intent is. You know, do that reflective paraphrasing. Here's what I'm seeing. You know, am, am I correct in that assumption? Are you, are you actually mad? And, uh, and go from there. Wow. I mean, we just took a persuasion business podcast and went to uh, personal relationships because I think that is the best advice. It took me in my marriage easily a decade. <laughs> and, no, no, and I am not engaging hyperbole because I, I, I remember going, you know what? Stop assuming my wife is coming at me from a bad place. You know, she's not criticizing or she's not whatever, whatever it is. Stop making that assumption. Why would you do that? She's been with you for a decade. You know, she's not, she's not an idiot. If she really didn't like you, she'd have left. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, They're not you know, trying to ruin your day. Right. And yeah. so, yeah, because she, she's not evil. She's not any of those things. So why are you assuming, right? So, you know, little, little uh, uh, relationship advice there, but business is about relationships too. Totally. So, Persuasion is about relationships. At its core, you know, and we talked, I think it was maybe our first or second episode that we did, but, you know, we talked about this is really, we, we're, we've just spent a year almost um, talking about various ways to strengthen relationships. So it's called the Persuasion Podcast, but it really is a relationship podcast. So that's brilliant advice. Um and I guess I would say if I were to leave some, you know, so intention is huge. Also your intention, right? So it works mm. both ways. And that's where I thought you were going to go. You know, assume the other person's intentions are good and have good intentions of your own, right? Come from it from a place of caring about the other person and your body language will show that as well. Yeah. Key negotiation tactic, go for the win, win. I got to care about them in order for them to care about me. Right, right. I think it's um, uh, 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 Dr. Ivan Meisner, mm-hmm. uh, who's the founder BNI. of BNI, right? Mm-hmm. Who says, uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I've heard it given to John Maxwell, Teddy Roosevelt, but some smart person said it and it was wrong. It was right. And the, it was wrong. No, it was totally right. And the other one that I love along those same lines is a whole Maya Angelou thing. People are going to forget what you say. They'll forget what you do, but they're never going to forget how you make them feel. Yeah, a- a- absolutely. And uh, hopefully, folks, you feel great about this podcast. Uh, if you do, please subscribe. And uh, otherwise, uh, pass this on to your friends. And uh, let us know if there's something you have a question you have or, or, or something you'd like us to address. We'd be happy to do that. So otherwise, uh, until next time, man. Have a great day. Take care. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, 
If they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.